0: Welcome to the final episode of Cake the podcast, the podcast about cake from State Library of Queensland. This is the show that unravels the sweet and not so sweet stories behind our favourite desserts to understand how we got here, I'm your host, Caitlin Sorey. And over the last six episodes, we've tracked down the origin of the lamington.
1: Which man
2: created the lamington, which is probably not the case.
0: Met the women whose love of cake built their empires. Life's short, I'm gonna go for it, and I'm gonna put us on the map. And travelled back thousands of years to learn what Indigenous innovation can teach us today. Beautiful
3: anise myrtle, cinnamon myrtle, curry myrtle, all of those things go really well in cakes, you know?
0: Who knew cakes could take us so many places? But don't worry, we saved the sweetest treats for last. In today's episode, we're going global to find out how Queensland cake makers fare on the world stage. And we're starting at the International Cake Show, Australia's largest cake, baking and sugar art show held in the heart of Brisbane every year. So we are here at the International Cake Show Australia. We've just walked past a giant car-sized cake. There's all sorts of stalls here, competitions, workshops, all sorts of tasty treats. It's just cakes everywhere. It's just a very, very strong, strong smell of sugar and I'm very much into it. When you walk in, you're greeted by a car-sized cake, literally a cake in the shape of a Chevy with working tail lights. This giant cake is part of a competition category called Battle of the Sugar Giants, or as it's known in the scene, extreme caking. As we head over, we see some familiar faces.
2: This is way better than the Ecker if you're 10 years old. You know, there is just sugar at every stop, so we're waiting for the freebies, to be honest.
0: We're just sort of scouting around to see, like, there's a,
3: something on that uh, tray over
0: there, and I'm just wondering if we can just reach over. Would anyone mind...? This is Jacinta Sutton and Chrissy Theodosio from the team at State Library of Queensland. And while they're both hyped up on freebies, it's not our imagination. The sugar giants inside the exhibition hall are unlike anything we've ever seen before. What's that? Is that Big Bird down there? Like crossed with some aliens? Yeah.
2: This looks like an an acid trip and a child's nightmare. And I appreciate the imagination and the... uh, courage that it took to put that in public but as
0: strange as some of these sculptures are the level of detail in the sugar giants is incredible and delicious looking so these are some life-size mermaids how would you feel about actually just having a little chomp you know i could go the octopus <laughs> wouldn't feel so bad about that one Feel so bad all this cake talk sends chrissy into a sugar craze we know where Chrissy went to? I feel like she's found a
2: secret little stash somewhere. I really need to get her to hold a balloon or something. We find
0: Chrissy holding a pair of fairy bread earrings.
2: We don't want to eat that? Again, no, we're going to high. see the cakes now. OK. <laughs>
0: I know, I'm sorry. There's so yeah. much to look at. If we're on a sugar high right now, it's about to get much worse because we're heading towards the mother load of cakes, rows and rows upon rows, hundreds of cakes. This is where cake makers from across the globe, not just Australia, are doing battle. Wow,
1: it's like kilometres of
0: cakes. And while these cakes may not be car-sized, they are truly works of art.
2: I feel like we're in a gallery. We may as well be, you know, in the Louvre right now. Oh, wow.
0: Okay, so it's like a full-size bust of Salvador Dali with a melting clock on his shoulder. And his whiskers are up in the air, which, you know, it's this classic Salvador Dali look. It
2: really is. And they did get a gold certificate,
0: but I don't oh, see no ribbon here. Well, the one next to it got a ribbon. Who's this? The men in black. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so oh, wow. it's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. From the front, it looks like like a dude in a suit. Then you walk to the side and the face is actually pried off and there's a little alien sitting inside like the men in black. <laughs> Chrissy, you see this? Look at this. Oh, there's a little alien
2: inside driving him. How cute.
0: I've seen some jaw-dropping things over here. Like a certain house elf from Harry Potter who's so lifelike it breaks your heart. Oh, Oh, Dobby. (laughs) Dobby. Hey, look at his face. He looks so
2: real. He looks really sad and just kind of pensive. It's all in the eyes, (laughs) isn't it?
0: It's all very wholesome, until we bump into a rogue sugar giant. All right, now we're in the creepy category. When you're ready, turn around. No, thank you.
2: Whoa Oh, oh my, she's decapitated in half. Uh, no, her head is still attached. It's just her body that's separated.
0: Yep, she's definitely not human, right? She's got something going on here. Yeah. She's some kind of creature and she's been cut off at the waist. Looks like a cornstalk
2: stabbed through the chest and she's holding her own heart next to the lower half of her body. But, yes, very graphic depiction of intestines. It's a
0: real... I don't know if I want to eat that. No. No. We back away from the horror show and search for something less gruesome and way smaller. This is mini exhibit class, so everything had to fit
2: within a 25-centimeter cube. Oh. I'm sorry, I really enjoy this. We've got a tiny little corner of a lounge room with uh, Yoda and ET sitting on a couch watching TV and a pizza next to them. That's a nice palate cleanser, isn't it? And even better, what's on the TV is
0: is it cake?
3: Uh-oh. <laughs> watching cakes, oh, even then, though
0: they're cake.
2: It's very meta.
0: The painstaking level of detail in every one of these cakes is amazing.
2: I'm really getting an understanding of the patience involved in creating these artworks. It's not even about making the cake, is it? It's right. about the, the, the patience and skill that it takes yeah. and the
0: imagination. The car cake out the front has a little sign that says it took six months for him to create that. Wow, 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 wow. Eventually, the rows and rows of cakes snake around to the front where the car-sized cake is parked. And it brings up questions for all of us, including Frank.
3: I just want to know how they got it here and was he worried the whole
1: time?
0: He's going to be there at 11am tomorrow so we can ask him ourselves.
3: Wow. He would have made it off-site. Maybe he sort of made it in pieces and assembled it
0: here. Or is it on a trolley? So then he needed a truck. The next day, Frank and I hang around at 11 on the dot, looking for the creator of the car-sized cake. Suddenly, we spot him, Dan Greensill and his wife, Tamea. Good this you. is your cake? Yeah, it is my cake. It's a full-size car with lights.
1: Yeah, it's got 150 kilos of fondant. The Bonnets chocolate mud cake, about 5 to 10 kilos.
0: I just saw a car. but Frank saw something else.
1: Not just any car, a Transformer. A Bumblebee, why, why Bumblebee? I like Transformers and Camaro's my favourite car, so... It's probably the closest thing I'll get to owning one.
0: Wow. So has this just been sitting in your garage, like a uh, real car?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, for six months. I started and just built it a little bit by a little bit and built it up, yeah. That's crazy. Okay, talk to me about the engineering because I have lots of questions. It's hollow in the middle and just built the sides up. Started from the bottom, pretty much working my way up.
0: So wait, so the hood is cake? Yes. What's happening through the rest of the car?
1: It's all fondant. Bit of a styrofoam, a lot of shaping, moulding. Did you
0: build like a wood structure? Like, how did you yeah, engineer
1: all, this? It's all uh, wood structure inside, and I just built it up, trying to make it sturdy as possible, but also as light as possible, like to get it here. So, but despite all of his careful design work, things didn't go as planned. I got it onto the back of a car trailer. I got it three quarters way up, and all the back wheels fell off. This is like half hour before having to be here. So I jacked it up, put some new wheels on. I think everything went to plan until the back end fell off.
0: Until the bumper went (laughs) missing, yeah. I I mean, it looks good. You can't tell that the bumper came off. Yeah.
1: Then my son and I pushed it in, put some fondant on and just made it work, I guess.
0: Dan's wife Tamea is listening in and says they should have known something would go wrong.
3: He even said to me the other days, like, here it comes, it's coming. We call it the cake show curse. Because the, the last few weeks, years, just something, something. yeah, things go wrong. I'm not very good in a crisis. I panic a bit. I was like, oh, no, oh, gosh, not again. So. <laughs> it happened last year. Dan created an
0: Avengers-themed scene featuring a life-size Thanos sitting on a throne. It was epic until...
1: The humidity melted everything. Yes.
3: So. And Spider-Man fell over in the truck. Yeah, and then hard. we had to cut Thanos's feet off to get him out the door because we mismeasured. So every year so far, we've had a sugar giant kerfuffle. Yeah, he even said to me the other days, like, here it comes. It's coming. The cake show curse is coming.
0: But enabling Dan's cake obsession comes with challenges months ahead of show day.
3: How do you feel about having your garage
0: semi-permanently full of cake? Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Look, it's his love and it's his passion, so I support him. However, I am glad that I'm not going to have uh, sticky floors anymore from sugar dust um, and random bowls in the sink just dumped full of icing. So, yes, I'll be glad to have my kitchen and my floors back. What do your friends think?
1: Crazy, OK? <laughs> it's like, why do you do this? Uh, why not? It's my go-to thing. when stressors go stress. I going to the garage and work on a cake and I enjoy it. I enjoy these shows and... Good
0: How much do you think that car uh, cost you? I could have
1: bought my daughter a first car. How? Yeah, a lot of money, but I enjoy it, it's my thing. So,
0: so Dan has spent six months and a car sized amount of money to create this artwork.
1: Now, what? So, what happens to the cake now? I'm not sure. I got no plans of dismantling it. I'm just so hoping so- be put to good use somewhere. We'll
3: contact a few prop houses, I think, yeah. and see if they want to take it. And might put a few posts up on Facebook, local community yeah. pages, see if there's any car clubs that might be interested in it. It'll need to be stored somewhere where it's cool, otherwise she'll melt. Particularly yeah. in this weather. Yeah. Oh, no. Good old Queensland weather. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You
0: survived another cake show curse. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Last, one,
1: <laughs> Last one,
0: hopefully. Last one, hopefully. After two days of having my mind blown at the International Cake Show, I felt ready to meet with our next cake designer. A chef with a worldwide reputation for pushing dessert boundaries, now based in Noosa. You probably know him from MasterChef and his own show, Zumbo's Just Desserts.
4: Hi, I'm Adriana Zumbo.
0: Also known as?
4: Also known as The Sweet Assassin, Lord Patricia of Pain, uh, <laughs> The Dark Lord of Pastry. You name it, I've you know, had many names. How
0: did you get so many names? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think MasterChef, I mean, you know, Matt Preston, I think he went through the, the list and <laughs> it was pretty funny.
0: Zumbo has earned these nicknames because he's known as the guy on MasterChef who creates next-level dessert challenges, cakes that shell-shock the contestants with their intricacy and showmanship.
4: I used to always come in with something of the box, a little bit fearful, but still achievable.
0: Mm, achievable is relative. Zumbo makes things like a waffle stack shaped like a parrot or a vertical garden or a cake in the shape
4: of a cube that
0: defied gravity.
4: We did that square cube that sat on the point. That was a tricky one.
0: When you come up with something like that, do you kind of like pat yourself on the back and go, yeah, I've made it really hard?
4: Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're still stressing as well, you know, because we, we want to make it look good when it goes out there as well. And so even though it's hard for them, it's still difficult for us as well to make sure that it's going to be stable enough to hold because sometimes those things, you obviously can't walk too far with them.
0: But for all of this extravagance, Zumbo's love of desserts come from humble beginnings.
4: My parents had a supermarket, so, you know, when you're a kid, your eyes lock onto biscuits, chips, junk food, candy, and I had to work there as well, so every time something new came in, I'd be the taste tester. I'd be oh, always,
0: you got to do it.
4: Yeah, I'd <laughs> be always on that, like, what's that new I'm Like, Oh, yeah. And then I'd take a bag to school, we sit in class, we all eat them and go, oh, yeah, these are good.
0: Appointing himself Chief Lolly Tester for his parents' supermarket was way more interesting than school.
4: I wasn't that great at school, but I was good at what I enjoyed. But then there's a lot of classes I just couldn't focus. You know, I was just bored and always thinking about something else. So like baking for me, I think suited my personality, doing something with my hands, working things out, being able to change things and, and then understanding what happens through the process, touching and breaking things down. For me, that's kind of how my brain is. While he
0: may have flunked science, the practical science of baking and figuring out how food scientists made lollies led him into high art.
4: I didn't want to cook like steak and stuff like that, you know, I didn't really enjoy that. But I had a real passion for junk food and uh, in the early days, lollies, candies, biscuits, chips. I mean, that's not really what i do, but I mean, the flavour profiles is really like lifted out of that palate and knowledge of junk. That industry, you know, that industry does so much research. It's a massive industry, right? If you think about the, the amount of money that junk food turns over, and, you know, annually for these companies, they put a lot of work into it. So learning how to take from that in the early days was the early inspiration, you know, trying to recreate sneakers, Snickers, trying to recreate candy bars and biscuits and all those kind of things.
0: So straight out of school, he got himself an apprenticeship chasing his sweet obsession.
4: It was only a small place and the boss, had, like he left and then the owner said, oh, "I cover for a couple of weeks till we find someone to step in and then they just never found anyone.
0: He was young, but he saw an opportunity and stepped up to the plate.
4: I was quite lucky in a sense. At 19, I got to jump into that sort of role and I just took it as a, okay, yeah, I can do this. You know, I just started pulling big hours and I had a big sporting background so I was always trying to push myself like, you know, you got to get in there and challenge yourself to be better and whatnot. But to become the best would have to leave Australia to broaden his horizons. I was still quite raw. I didn't have those depths of skills, so I was looking for them, but they didn't really exist in Australia. I had to go overseas, which I did for a few weeks, you know, just to learn and then and then come back from that and, and try and implement it in what I was doing.
0: That search for technique, to understand why something succeeds or fails became Zumbo's calling.
4: When you throw yourself into that deep end and sort of start breaking things apart, wiseness working, you know, so you start to research a lot, whether it's looking at machinery or ingredients or recipes or trying to find a new mould or something new, because I'm always like every second I'm trying to research. It's a good and a bad thing to have. I think my wife would say probably a bit of a downer, kind of live inside your head and it's, it's uh, never ending. It's a world you're stuck in.
0: Eventually, that thirst for the new, the different, the challenging would lead him to open his own dessert spot in Sydney, creating crazy flavour combinations that kept people guessing.
4: I made whatever I wanted. You know, I'd put olives in cakes and mousses with raspberry and lemon and olive oil and... Coca-Cola and all those kind of things. Whatever you wanted, you did it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But definitely a lot of the crazy stuff, people are like, oh, that's, that's weird, that's nuts, you know.
0: His daring attracted content-hungry culture vultures. Before social media was properly social, word of his desserts spread like
4: wildfire. A lot of my customers were bloggers in the early days. And blogging was so new that they're all trying to get content, you know. So you create all these crazy things like toothpaste, macarons, pig's blood and chocolate... Salt and pepper squid, pork buns. Like, we turned it into a macaron, you know, and we really honed it to make it taste delicious, you know. But if you think about it, like, you know, why am I going to eat that? Because the vlogging scene was so powerful. So whatever was different and new on the radar, people were wanting to experience it.
0: Zumbo had Sydney siders lined up around the block to see what he would cook up next.
4: Then it was game on. It was hardcore. Like, you'd fill the shop up in the morning and then 9.30... Empty, sold out. You close the shop at 11 o'clock.
0: Eventually, his reputation for daring desserts brought him to the attention of a high-profile client.
4: Someone from Channel 10 called, they want a croquembouche.
0: What's a croquembouche?
4: A A croquembouche is a a profiterole tower stuck together with caramel. Traditionally used as a wedding centrepiece kind of thing. So I called them back. They were looking for one to go on set because their food team was having troubles bringing it to life Uh, and they just weren't happy with how it looked. So they said, I heard you were the one to call and maybe you could help. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a crack, yeah.
0: Channel 10 was starting a little show you might've heard of called Master Chef.
4: I wasn't even meant to go on set. And then a week before, the producer said, bring your chef whites, you know, we're toying around with a different idea. Just bring them just in case.
0: Suddenly, Zumbo was roped into revealing the extravagant crockenbush as a pressure test to the contestants. What was that moment like walking out on set? Was it nerve wracking?
4: Oh yeah, it was very nerve wracking, you know
0: carrying a tower.
4: If you don't dry those, if it rolls out enough, and the moisture comes in and they're soft, they start buckling, like it's nothing worse than that feeling.
0: But a toppling tower wasn't really what Zumbo was afraid of. Live cooking shows are designed to make you feel the pressure for the contestants. Can they do it? Will it fail? Behind the scenes, producers are pulling the strings.
4: How they build it up, they're like wait, 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 you know, and, and you're starting to get nervous because it's just like they're holding you back and rather than, can I just go? They're
0: building tension for the audience, but it's building tension for you.
4: It's, yeah, it, it works on both, you know, but yeah, you still get that little like, oh my God, I'm getting a little bit nervous here.
0: Despite his nervousness, Zumbo parlayed his newfound fame into a total of five Sydney spots, three Melbourne stores, a high tea room and a collaboration with Tim Tams. But in 2018, it all came to a screeching halt. But administrators were called in to wind up $10 million of debt.
4: Like I had a big business in Sydney, which is good when you're in it, and like for the moment, like. But once you know that that kind of hit the floor, you know what I mean. I think for me, I was like, I've done that once. I don't want to do that again. You know, what too mean? stressful. Well, a lot of work. You know, 12 years. I'll, we, we were there 12 years, which is still a big, big time. But yeah, very stressful. Lots of. Pressure and stuff like that. So What
0: what happened? Did it get too big? What happened?
4: Yeah, it's too big, you know, too many loans and all those kind of things. And then you just need one or two shops not to work. Very easy to tumble something big down to the ground. So
0: when we met with Zumbo, it was at his only store in Nooseville that he was running with his wife Nelly. So I asked him what's that roller coaster been like?
4: Definitely a big learning curve. You know, it's kind of like starting again. You're really deep into what you're actually doing to say, like, does it serve its purpose?
0: Since we met him in New that store has closed too. But something Zumbo told us made us think that whatever is next is going to be great.
4: everyone eats. Like, it doesn't matter how many businesses fail or whatever, you know, obviously don't want them to, but you can always cook. The beautiful thing about this job is it doesn't matter what you're you're going through or whatever, you know, there's always a a different um, door and window that you can jump through and hopefully start something new and different in your own world.
0: After seven episodes in this series, I've baked all kinds of cakes, from the original lamington recipe to the cake created for the aviator bad boy, Bert Hinkler, to Puerto Rico's flan. But now... I have the biggest challenge yet, to make my niece the best birthday cake ever, because she has something quite specific in mind.
3: Hey Lexi, what, what did you want for your birthday cake? Rainbow, rainbow, but the
4: rainbow inside. But I don't want any chocolate though.
3: No chocolate, okay. What else yeah.
0: What else did you say that
3: you wanted for your cake? Um,
4: I want
0: unicorn. A unicorn cake. cake. Okay, all right. <laughs> to pull this off, I need to call in the big guns. So I'm meeting with one of the world's top travelling cake makers, Camilo Mercia, but you might know him by his cake name, by Alitoso.
5: Alitoso is someone to be different.
0: We're meeting Camilo at his beautiful Queenslander home in Brisbane, but Colombia is where the word Alitoso was born.
5: It's like a a word that people, especially in Colombia, used to call someone who like to be the centre of attention, someone that used to look at twice, and this is me.
0: <laughs> Camillo is known for his bold architectural cakes and intricately detailed edible paper artwork that he colours
5: using edible inks. Like a, an explosion of colours that you see and I say, wow. <laughs>
0: Camillo's only been making cakes for five years, but as his husband Adam points out, He's already taking the world by storm.
1: really shy about this, but also that's all of his awards that he's won up there
5: as well.
0: Oh, my God. Do you know how many awards you've won in the last five years?
5: I uh, can't count them.
1: No. You can count them? Yeah. <laughs> Let's count. Let's count
5: them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And if you have a look here, for the five years in a row, I have been Barak Artist of the Year. He's so in demand.
0: It's a wonder we've been able to meet with him at all.
5: For the last three years I've been traveled, I will say everywhere. Everywhere. I have been in every single continent except the Antarctic. I don't know exactly the number, 38, 35 countries, and so now what I'm doing like a, I'm doing a tour. For this year, I'm gonna be in Spain, France, Dubai, India, Colombia, Miami, Ecuador, Mexico, Venezuela. I don't remember. The, the. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But if you ask Camilo, he never expected to end up in cake making. In fact, he studied industrial
5: design in Colombia. When I finished university, my priority was to learn another language. But I have a friend, another friend, another friend, that they recommend me Australia, and I said, well, I, I only know kangaroos and koalas about that country, and I start to do a little bit of research and... Uh, fall in love straight away in this, in this city.
0: Here you are. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> While he was share house living in Brisbane, he started cooking traditional meals from back home
5: and got roped into cooking a big dinner every Friday. I start like a cooking for one of my flymates, another flymate mate, another flymate mate, and that flymate mate started to call another fly mate, and, 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 and people start to talk about my, my meals and it became like a restaurant. 20, sometimes 40 people, depends of the, of the meal.
0: His friends opened a cafe on the proviso that he would be the chef. So when the owner's birthday came up, Camillo offered to make the cake.
5: You know, cakes, milk, eggs, butter, flour. That's it, basic. But I had always go with details. And the cake was beautiful. Full of colours, flowers, fruits on top. Suddenly, word was
0: out. Camilo makes cakes. But he didn't realise it could make him any money until his husband's friend made him an offer he couldn't refuse.
5: I saw your cake, they're beautiful, they're delicious. And it's my daughter's. Verde, but I only have $400 for the cake and it's for 25 people. And I said, what? $400? And I said, oh yeah, I can make it. Yeah, oh yeah, maybe, yeah. Camillo raced home to tell his husband. I said, oh baby, look, they offered me $400. I said, so expensive. People pay good money for cake. Why you didn't tell me before? And the next
0: weekend, they drove around all the cake shops they could find in Brisbane to sniff out the competition.
5: And we found that it's no one, no two, no three, no four. Millions, millions of bakery of people who make cakes here in Brisbane. And he realized, oh, I can do this professionally. Don't take me wrong, all of them beautiful, but all of them exactly the same. So Camilla started experimenting. This is when I start to explore different materials, different ingredients, different mediums. I just trying to recreate all that everyone was making. In cakes, with chocolate, with ganache, with fondant, but just using my mediums, that is edible paper and buttercream. And through his experiments,
0: Camillo fell in love with buttercream. There was just one thing. Buttercream
5: doesn't do so well in the Queensland heat. In summertime, we sometimes reach like 40 degrees. People usually so, use ganache for summertime, you know, I need to follow my, my mediums, I'm going to be buttercream boy forever. So in a quest to be buttercream
0: boy forever, he started pulling apart buttercream recipes, trying combination after
5: combination. What is a buttercream? Buttercream is a, always a fat and sweet and stabiliser. But you can't take out the butter. Then it's not buttercream. And sugar wasn't the problem. The stabiliser is when I say I need to find something that make my buttercream is stronger in the humidity and a uh, hot weather and this is how they start to play with the different ones. To test his hypothesis, he would leave cakes to
0: sit out in the heat with a bucket under them to see what would melt.
5: It took me probably three months
0: and kilos
5: of kilos of butter in the rubbish bin
0: his husband, Adam, noticed the obsession starting to veer into beautiful mind territory.
5: Equations and numbers all over the
1: kitchen bench. So we've got like a stainless steel bench and he'd just be riding over it. And there'd be nights where he's got that kind of personality where he needs to understand how things work. So I'd be like, I'm going to bed now. And and he'd be like, I might see you in the morning. So literally just wanting to work on it until he figured it out.
0: So true mad scientist. Yeah, true mad scientist. And what he came up with is a buttercream stable on even the most scorching Brisbane days. Camilla calls it
5: the Australian buttercream. There are many countries that have their own buttercream. Italian buttercream, Korean buttercream, Swiss buttercream, American buttercream, and, and the creator of the Australian version. I will say is the most irresistible buttercream, my Australian buttercreams. <laughs>
0: I love that it took a Colombian to make the
5: Australian buttercream. Yes, it's a little bit controversial for my people back in Colombia. But they should understand that I live in Australia. I developed the product in Australia. And at the beginning, it was made for Australia. So, what's the magic recipe that makes buttercream keep its shape, even on the worst summer days? Well, it's, it's something that I shouldn't say Publicly, <laughs> What's a secret. Yeah, yes. I will say a secret, but there is an special ingredient. Once again, remember, sugar, butter and stabilizer. That stabilizer is that what people pay for it. Uh, so they have to come to your class? Yeah, or, or I have an online academy.
0: But he is willing to share some techniques for free, which is lucky because I have a special cake coming up that I promised my niece. She wants something unicorn. Yeah. Any recommendations on how I can make it a unicorn
5: cake? Well, Unicorn K is basically the eyes, the horn, and the ears.
0: Would you be able to show us something that I can, like... Can you teach me something? Are you able to?
5: Uh, yes, yeah. I have the Queen ready to go. Amazing. And I have like a piece of cake that's ready to go.
0: Well, I'm excited to, to learn something from you. We follow Camilo into the old Queenslander style Kitchen where he films all of his tutorials. You can
5: work from home. You can make beautiful cakes using the items that you have in your kitchen and doesn't need to be fancy. The protagonist is your cake, not your kitchen. The cake needs to be the point.
0: Camilo takes a cake from his cake refrigerator... So you you have like a cake fridge and a regular fridge. Yeah, this is all cake. He's going to show us how to get the perfect finish when icing a cake. And it's better if the cake is cold. So he cooks the day before.
5: The cake needs to be in the fridge at least for two hours. I always recommend it at least for two hours. I like to leave it overnight to give me longer time to work on that cake.
0: To get your cake looking just right, you need some tools to start. Turntable.
5: The turntable, this is another essential item for every single makeup.
0: And what you're going to use to apply the icing.
5: Acrylic scraper, always acrylic, mm-hmm. because it doesn't bend. Have a stronger support, it's a stainless steel. Flexible scraper that is very flexible, and this is an angled uh, spatula that is for easy access. So this
0: this big hard one, what's it called? Acrylic. Acrylic. So this is like for doing like a broad, big stroke, making, and then this is like for like little finicky ones.
5: No, no, that, this is <laughs> this is why you need to come to my class.
0: It's all about technique. Camillo's specialty is tall layered cakes. And you have to make sure you glue the bottom layer down using buttercream.
5: Just make sure that you cover every single part of the base because when the cake comes to room temperature, they kind of slide down very easy.
0: On top of that first layer, using a piping bag of buttercream, he pipes around the edge, creating a kind of dam. If you've got a gooey feeling like chocolate or caramel, you can pour that in here.
5: Using a 45 angle, you're going to go around and look how important it is to have a beautiful turntable.
0: Then he continues to ice and stack the other layers. So far, so good. But this next step was a revelation for me. This
5: is a pre-crumb layer. This is a layer Mm -hmm. that we make to seal the cake off from the air and keep it fresh.
0: Have you ever iced a cake and couldn't stop little crumbs mixing into your lovely icing? This solution is called the crumb coat, and it means you can pop it back into the fridge without it drying out.
5: We're going to add more buttercream at the end. So this layer needs to be very thin, very thin. To
0: keep this layer thin, this is where the technique on the acrylic scraper comes in.
5: There are two different angles that you—they are very important as well. Open angle, close angle. Open angle to remove, close angle to smooth. So now what I'm going to do is going to remove excess of buttercream. So I need to keep always an open angle. You never, never leave the scraper. You just literally grab it with two fingers and make the table work for you. Beautiful. Uh, that
0: was so easy. Now, this all goes back in the fridge so you can ice and decorate the cake properly the next day. It's given me a lot to think about. Oh, well, I don't think my unicorn cake is going to be anything like any of yours. i sure you going to look great. It's going
5: to yeah, be, sure it'll, gonna gonna it'll be something.
0: It'll be multicoloured. So. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah.
0: <laughs> That'll probably be enough for her. She's only and six. <laughs> Camilla's husband Adam talks me out of comparing myself to his cakes.
1: As long as there's cake at the celebration, it's a celebration. It doesn't have yeah. to be perfect. As long as it's just something that's there to commemorate that moment.
5: And I think that's what's helped Camilla to travel all over the world is cake is such a part of all cultures. Yeah, a cake is uh, essential for any celebration. Even from the top to the bottom, cake exceeds everywhere.
0: When we started this series, it brought memories flooding back of the birthday cakes my mum made for me and how much it meant to have a special cake. So I've got to get cooking on this unicorn cake for my niece's sixth birthday. But how am I going to do it?
5: I recommend you to go the easiest and faster faster way. Don't complicate yourself.
0: Hmm, keep it simple. After a bit of Googling, I decided upside-down ice cream cones work for the horn and the ears and I can make the eyes out of the licorice. But how to make the rainbow? So I've researched how to make a rainbow cake. I've got my vanilla cake, the batter, and then I'm gonna divide it into like five different bowls, color them separately, and then pour them into the cake tin. And we should have a rainbow cake. In we go. All right. It looks
4: cool. Right? Yeah, it looks
0: really cool. It looks like a unicorn rainbow cake. Then I stacked and iced the two layers like Camillo taught me, Whacked on some icing. Okay, so I've just done like a very, very fine coating, what the pros call the crumb layer. So I'm just gonna pop this in the freezer. And attack it in 15 minutes. And jazz it all up with some rainbow icing before delivering it to the birthday
3: girl. Happy birthday to you.
0: Now for the moment of truth.
3: Does everyone want a piece of
2: Yeah!
0: Operation Rainbow Unicorn Cake was a success. I feel fully prepared for all of the elaborate cakes our daughter might request in the years to come. Because when it comes down to it, that's what cake is all about. Family, friends, sharing, and memory. And we've got so many memories to look forward to. <laughs> oh, God. oh, the hiccups. If this series has inspired you to bake up a storm, make sure to tag State Library QLD on Instagram. They would love to see it. Huge thanks to my co-producer, writer editor, and engineer extraordinaire, Frank Lopez. There are so many people Frank and I want to thank, the Sori and the Lopez families for all of their support, in particular Chris and Bill Sori for their clutch babysitting help. And of course the whole State Library team, Olivia Robinson, Jacinta Sutton, Annabelle Tonkin, Robin Hamilton, Anita Lewis, Chrissy Theodoso, Di McKean, Chris Curry, Gavin Bannerman, and many more. They are a wonderful team and the library itself is such an incredible resource. Make sure you check out their collections online or in person next time you're in Brisbane. Cake the Podcast is an F&K production for State Library of Queensland.